Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. If this is not the first time you have listened to this show, please go over to your local podcast hosting service app thing and leave us some comments, some stars, some likes. If you don't like what we're saying, shoot us an email. We'd love to chat with you about whatever you don't like. I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, I am joined today and as always by my good, good friend from Asheville, Sam Moses. Ciao. This is actually our fifth intro. <laughs> I canceled about five minutes worth of podcast. I accidentally hit space one time. Sam just hit space. <laughs> so weird day, man. We're, it's a weird day. It's a weird Wednesday, but we're going to power through it. This is going to be a great episode. It's going to be on the sexy topic of DDP and metadata. Um, it doesn't sound that sexy, but it is something that you need as a mastering engineer in order to complete your jobs, your obligatory jobs, if you are making anything more essentially than a single. So if you're making an EP or an LP, um, you are going to need this. So <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Sam. You want to knock this one out of the park? I would love to. I'm up. Cool. I'm up to bat. Ma- Ready to knock Space it out. Space bars are away from me. Space bars are away from you. <laughs> I'm going to pull my head out of my butt. We're going to talk correctly this time. It's going to be all good to go. I'm ready. Cool. 30 minutes on the clock. Boom. Teed up. Knock out of the park. Here we go. DDP. Let's hunker down, friends. Let's focus on this DDP. You got to focus. thinking caps on. When you make a DDP, you need to be focused because what you, you make do. in this DDP is going to get printed, replicated thousands, maybe millions of times because you just made a hit record and it's going to go everywhere. But before we jump into that, let's talk about what a DDP is. It's traditionally known as a disk description protocol. Some people call it a digital description protocol. I would say you could use either term most likely. Um, It's used mainly in my opinion as to be viewed as like a disk pre-master that you send off for duplication or replication to different plants so that they can create copies of your album. So if you're going to make a physical CD... You have to have a DDP. If you want to think about it, before we had DDP, people would basically print a CD um, and use that as like the master disc or master CD that then all CDs would be replicated off. But over time, we realized that that method can introduce errors. You can scratch that main master disc. um, And so we started creating DDPs. And so a DDP is usually created by a mastering engineer. I create DDPs all the time. It is uh, the final step in the audio production chain before it's sent off and you get your physical CDs uh, replicated and distributed. And within a DDP, most people don't know. Usually when I see them send a DDP off, uh, I tell people not to touch it or open it because it is verified air-free. But within the DDP, there are usually four to five types of files. Um, One is the audio image, which is your audio. Uh, It's usually in a .dat file. Then there's a DDP identifier, which is DDPID. And then there is um, 
DDP Stream Descriptor, which is a DDPMS. Fun thing, DDPMS. And then a subcode descriptor, which is the PQ description, which is called uh, more commonly a PQ sheet. A PQ sheet is something that I will often send to my clients, which kind of is basically a, uh, a spreadsheet looking kind of thing that has the song titles, the song start and stop times, the album title, the codes, ISRC codes, uh, UPC code that follows the album, and just kind of verifies so you don't have to go poking around in the DDP. You can just look at your PQ sheet and go, oh, that's what's in the DDP, and go, that looks great. You spelled everything correct, the order is correct, the sequence is correct, you know, the coding is correct. So the PQ sheet is something that's maybe more familiar with people. Um, and then usually what I do as well, is pretty standard, is you include a text file. This text file gives the titles and the timings of the track, um, and then depending on how much data you input, um, that's kind of what pops up in your car CD player. If you put a CD in and you see a title and an artist name and some other information sometimes, that is because a mastering engineer at some point created a DDP and manually typed that information in correctly. And this is why you have to focus because what you type in gets printed into those CDs forever. So you don't want to make an error. You want to double check it. You want to have everybody double check it. But that is an introduction to what a DDP is. Woo! It's kind of a lot of information. Um, when I first started making DDPs, I was a little intimidated by it. Um, I honestly didn't know what a DDP was until I started doing label gigs, really, and they require that more often. Um, a lot of independent artists just take the WAV files and make an album off of that, which is honestly totally fine to do. Um, it does introduce the possibilities for errors and things not transferring all as a whole album, but you can still upload individual WAV files to a number of CD uh, duplication companies, and they'll Basically, they'll create their own kind of basic DDP that probably won't be as in-depth um, as what we do, but it will get the job done on some level. So if you're working with a mastering engineer and they do not mention anything about a DDP, uh, at, at this stage, I would probably say they probably haven't done mastering for that long because it's a very common thing we do um, and that gets us into metadata as well, which is also important. And you need that for digital or physical. But before we dive into all that, I just want to pause and say that is what a DDP is. Matt, what are your thoughts on that? The rainbow comes over. The more you know. <laughs> the more you it's know. Sam Moses. DDP, Digital Description Protocol. Remember it, friends. Matt, what do you I'm think? I'm waiting for someone, because like I... This is like complete side tangent, which is classic <laughs> Matt. But I'm waiting for a shirt to come out. It's like everyone, I guess, who follows me knows I like like to work in my yard. But I'm waiting for a shirt to come out that says, the more you mow, with like a rainbow. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. I know. Dad jokes. It's great. It's like, anywho. No, I I pretty much agree with everything that that you said. You want to you wanna hop into... 
metadata, ISRC codes, how uh, the importance of ISRC codes, you don't necessarily always need them, but if you're ever going to... Uh, if you ever really want to track anything that you put out there, mm-hmm. you need some sort of ISRC code, which is going to track things, which is going to uh, really keep things pretty tidy. If you ever plan on getting a, I don't know, a gold record or whatnot, that's how mm-hmm. a lot of that is. A lot of that is tracked. Do you want to? You want to hop into ISRC codes? Why they're sure. necessary? You and I, we went back and forth. I believe. Uh, this week there was a <clears throat> there was an old client I had that reached out and he was wondering if uh hey I'm looking to change band names up yeah and uh the w- whatever distributor was like nope you can't do that you can't like switch all of of this crap up and they weren't allowing him to make a new band and just giving him a bunch of problems and not really offering any type of solution into probably a pretty easy solution into how he can just like change his band name. And a lot of it had to revolve around ISRC codes, and uh, I can get into uh, how a lot of that was rectified. Um, but you want to you wanna touch on metadata real quick? Sure. You want me to and go? And why that's important? I feel like, I feel like we kind of did with the DDP, and it's like the stuff that's coming up uh, in cars and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's chat about that and ISRC codes. I guess if you want to... Uh, talk about any like UPCs. It's like I, I think everyone knows what that is, but you can also embed. Those. I don't know if people do. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, yeah. Um, I actually do not do a lot of work with UPCs. I have I've had one band uh, provide them, and no other band has ever asked me to embed it. And I yeah. guess on the distributor side, you can do it and purchase them and whatnot. And I get, that's what I guess a lot of my customers do yeah. if they go that route or through like the manufacturing. Um, if there's going to be, uh, uh, what is it, like a barcode or something like that. Funny yeah. story, I had a record that I worked on that went on to vinyl. And uh, I think uh, the UPC... A barcode went right over the mastered by, <laughs> and so like cut my name right out of the credits. Is like, hmm, we should probably think how we're gonna Format. place these things in the future. I just thought it was funny. So, so why don't you chat a little bit about ISRC codes? Lovely. So ISRC codes, uh, it stands for International Standard Recording Code. ISRC. Uh, this is a company, actually, that is called the ISRC Code Company. And um, they basically create and manage unique codes that follow particular recordings, not the album as a whole, but individual songs, usually. Well, that is what it does. And... Um, I, is it a company, or I thought that for some reason they were managed um, by uh, like a governing body? Yeah, they're managed by I mean by like the recording industry and the ISO technical committee, I think. And um, I think it started in the eighties or something. But I don't know. I know they make money because I pay them <laughs> to have codes. <laughs> I pay them as well. <laughs> So I am a uh, I'm actually an uh, official manager of ISRC codes, which 
Are you Matt as well? Um, are you are on you, the do website? You mean, am I am I on the list? Yeah, are you on the list? Oh, I'm on the list. See, Matt's on the list. I'm on the list. If you go to the actual ISRC site, website, company site, you will see. Well, it's under RIAA, I believe. Ah, is who manages them. Well, that could be who manages it, but you go to the ISRC site. Okay. ISRC. Well, it's the. You do it right now. U.S. If you're in the U.S., you're going to go to the usisrc.org organization. And if you go to the manager section, below is a list of ISRC (coughs) managers appointed by the U.S. ISRC agency. We have been approved to assign ISRC codes on behalf of the owners of the recording. Now, within that, I Matt and I, I'm sure Matt is too, we have uh, the commercial coding. So there is a difference between personal codes and commercial codes. And I, and I'm assuming Matt does too, being a ISRC code manager, uh, we have the authority to actually embed ISRC codes for commercial release. So if you are not on the management, uh, one of the ISRC code managers and have not been approved, then technically you do not have the actual codes, commercial codes that are used for commercial releases, which most people don't know that. Um, But if you do go to the site, you'll see Moses Mastering and you'll see For the Record, I believe. Yep, there it is. I see it. I'm there right now, yeah. There it is. So Yeah. All official. So an ISRC code um, goes into each song. It is normally, well, it is 12 characters long usually. And that includes a country code, uh, usually your registration code, the year of reference, so like when the uh, song comes out, and then your unique, I don't know what they call it, designation code it looks like is what they call it. Uh, is unique to you or the person who is the manager of the accounts. Um, so when we make a DDP, uh, each song, if you want to think of the DDP as like the umbrella, then the album as a whole, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead, is is managed or followed by the UPC. The UPC goes with the album, and that's like a barcode. You see UPCs on all sorts of things that get purchased. And then within that, we have ISRCs, um, which go to the individual songs. So like Matt was kind of saying, if you want your song tracked properly, um, you need to have metadata embedded with the ISRC code. Um, A lot of people will ask me to embed codes. And then when I send them the song, they're like, where's the code? And I go, well, it's a code. (laughs) You're not supposed to find it. (laughs) So unless you have uh, a mastering DAW... um, you probably won't be able to find it. Um, there are certain DAWs that you can drop it in. If you drop an MP3 that's carrying it or something, sometimes you'll be able to retrieve it. But that's where like a PQ sheet or something comes in handy um, to where you can show people that the code is associated with the song. Um, so I'm starting up another computer because I think I have a point. Um, so if you hear Sweet. a bong, <laughs> that's my other computer starting up. Um, 
so yeah, so that's kind of the ISRC world. Um, it's not to be, it's not complicated. Um, you can embed ISRC codes into MP3, M4A, FLAC, AC. You can embed them into wave extensions. Um, you can normally not embed them into a plain wave file, but there's a thing called wave extensions and that can hold a ISRC code. And um, I'm trying to think what else. They go into CDs when you make them. The Red Book Standard, which if you ever hear the term Red Book Standard, that's just uh, a fancy name for a CD standard when you make a CD. ISRC codes are in that. Um, and basically, probably the final thing I'll say about ISRC codes is they you only get one per song, so um, it you know if you make a song and then you do a different recording or change that song, it has to have a new ISRC code um, each time. So sometimes people Question get confused. Yeah, you. go ahead. Maybe I'll have do an answer. you personally assign ISRC codes to instrumentals? Um, I don't usually because most people don't distribute do them. Yeah. Uh, if someone's doing, I, f- I feel like that'd be a question that yeah we would get. Yeah, if someone's doing a, an instrumental album and that's what they're putting out everywhere, then yeah, I'll embed it. Um, mm-hmm. And then one more side note too is uh, a lot of distribution companies like DistroKid, TuneCore, they will if you're just doing digital, they'll assign from their account an ISRC code for the digital release. And um, you can do that. They're the same type of codes as what we have. And so there's sometimes some confusion on like, are those real codes? And they are real codes. It's part of what you pay for. Um, But a lot of the metadata stuff that we do has to do with when people make physical CDs. um, Or if they're like in country a lot of the times, country radio is, is a huge deal. And so before people may distribute a song, they might send it out to radio to get it played on radio first or get feedback from radio. So I'll embed ISRC codes uh, into the WAV file and into an MP3 that they can send to the radio stations out that contains all the info. I sometimes send a PQ sheet or or they'll just call it a Q sheet in general, um, which just has like the artist info, the song title, you know, who's involved because radio stations usually need all that. Um, when they import a song to make sure people get paid or the credit gets associated correctly. So that, man, that is all I can probably say on ISRC codes. <laughs> I'm, well, also, I'm bored um, just talking about it, but it's super important. <laughs> also, per their website, and yeah, and I, I went on and they're, they, it is their, their own company. It's usisrc.org. Um you're actually not allowed, and this ticked me off uh, years ago when I like signed up for everything. But you're not allowed to charge for ISRC codes. Um, it's actually something that you agree to. That uh, it's which which is kind of weird because it's something that you pay for the codes by the thousand yeah. that you apply for and it's not super expensive i think for under a thousand it's 125 dollars a year but it just it's it kind of sucks because you can't really legally per them recoup that cash um 
So if you're selling them, you really shouldn't be. Um, but I mean, just kind of is what it is. Just just so you know. Um, but yeah, so I think that's also about as much as you can talk about <laughs> iOS Z codes. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head with all that. And uh, let's uh, let's hop over into DDP software. Sweet. Um, so because now you, it's like if you have not been providing this service, we've now created a problem for you. And so we're going to take the next, oh, 13 or 12 minutes and we're going to... Uh, solve this problem for you. So you need uh, a very specific type of software that allows for DDP creation and metadata insertion. And I've reached out to several companies. Um, and it's like, I don't want cash for this idea. I just want somebody to effing do it. <laughs> um, I don't see why this is not a plugin that you can put on just any freaking computer and you just line up your tracks with your spacing and your fades and all that stuff, and you make a DDP, or you embed metadata uh, just through a general plugin. Um, I've reached out to Isotope several times, and I think if anyone's going to do it, they should be the ones to do it. Because, well, and I also told them, I was like, yo, y'all need to make a mastering DAW, because you have everything you need. Charge however much you want, include RX and all your other goodies, and include DDP and metadata. And you pretty much have the whole darn kit and caboodle. So, um, but yeah, it needs to be it needs to be a plugin. But as of right now, um, kind of the big ones, I would say, as far as people are using, are uh, typically it's between if it's a standalone plugin, it's or software, it's typically between Sonoris uh, and Hoffa. Uh, Sam and I use. Uh, it's kind of another mastering DAW. It's called Triumph, which was taken down for a while and then brought back up. And then uh, you can also do it. I think I think you can do it in Reaper. I don't know. I've never really asked anyone. Yeah, I don't um, know. <clears throat> I'm not sure if you can. And, but and then I know WaveLab uh, has that functionality as well. Um, so I kind of want to get into a little bit of a review. Great, if you don't mind. Do it. Um, so. Sam and I, uh, we use Triumph. I'm not too familiar with a lot of other people who use Triumph, but I really like it. And uh, <clears throat> it's just really good, bare bones, but you can get really into the nitty-gritty of how you want to do fades and make them sound all nice and pretty. And I've I've just really been a fan of it. Um, well, Triumph, I think we got, a, we got a notification from them about a year ago that they were kind of shutting down shop and uh, all the other pieces of software that were kind of like under that umbrella company uh, were kind of being shut down and Sam's version kept working and my version stopped <laughs> working. It was around the beginning of the year and I was just like, man, shit, I'm scrambling now. And so luckily it was around the time that I was getting into Wave Lab and, uh, and so I was able to I was able to figure it out but while uh, there was like a little in between where I was having to scramble a touch, and a uh, a friend uh, Frank at Fuselage Mastering recommended Sonoris to me uh, for DDP and metadata and whatnot, and um, that, that's what he uses. And, and frankly, it it's probably one of the best sounding uh, 
DDP and metadata uh, pieces of software. Um, functionality for me it was just like there there were a few things I just didn't like, so I didn't stay there. Um, <clears throat> I then was like, yeah, it's like seventy bucks. Let's check out Hoffa. So I went there, and I originally did not like it, um, mainly because of I don't like companies that are really cheap with their software. And it took me like an hour to figure out how to put everything together and whatnot. And then I went to go export a DDP, and it says, you cannot use this function with the free piece of software. And so I was a little upset there. Um, and I think I just made the album in, Hoff, in, in Sonoris, and I redid it all. Um, but I decided to pay for Hoffa and give it a try. Uh, actually, when I posted that whole thing, people were enraged. <laughs> There are a lot of people out there who love Hoffa. And uh, after toying with it for a few months, I definitely see why uh, why they like it so much. It is a very, very quick way of making a DDP. Very quick way of throwing in your codes, throwing in all the metadata, and not a lot to get confused about. So I wish it had a little bit better... Uh, and quicker way of exporting stuff in batches as opposed to, okay, export all of this. We're going to do it in this way and this way to this folder. Um, I wish you could kind of like batch it a little bit more. But uh, besides that, I've actually been a really big fan of Hoffa. So I'll skirt between Triumph and Hoffa. I do think Triumph is superior. Um, so Triumph and Sonoris are right next to one another in terms of like how things sound um but i mean hoffa is like it's like a close second at least at least to me and i mean i could be completely up my own butt on this um that's just my personal opinion um one thing about hoffa that i do want people to be aware of is i like even if i get rid of it completely i don't use the 80 dollars software anymore if I get rid of it 100%, go 100% back to Triumph, there is something I will hold on to. And it was the DDP Player Maker. Mm-hmm. That was really impressive to me. And it's where I can take a completely made DDP, import it into the DDP Player Maker, and their whole menu of things that you can buy, they have so much crap that it's kind of like, re- you got to really pay attention to each of the words that they're saying because it'll be the DDP Player Maker, the DDP Player Maker Pro, the DDP, and it's like holy, like what am I looking for here? Um, and it's like I don't want like a slew of plugins, and I just I just want the thing. So, uh, the Player Maker is great. You import the DDP that is already created, and it essentially makes for you a player that you can import your logo to and whatnot, and then you can send that off. Uh, to your client, which um, Sam and I have been using the uh, DDP player. I think we just asked Triumph for it. Yeah, we did. Um, because because they got rid of it. It was a, just like a wave extension, I believe. And then they, uh, they got rid of it in an update. And so we just asked them for it, and then they sent us a standalone. Um, and I mean, it works great. Um, as far as user experience goes... I think that the DDP player maker by Hoffa is superior and people can really see like what actually is going on. There's also a feature which I thought was brilliant that you can just select this like little tiny play button with a T by it and it'll literally just play the 10 seconds, 
before a transition, the transition, and then the 10 seconds after. And then it jumps to the next 10 seconds before, which I thought was just like really cool because it's like that's really the big thing you care about is how are my transitions sounding. It's like we've already approved the masters. So um, I really like it. It's pretty feature rich. And if you want to, if you want to encode it, you can. Uh, there, there's passwords and whatnot that you can set to it. So, uh, even if I get rid of Hoffa 100%, I will probably keep the DDP Player Maker and keep sending it to my clients. Something that I do that I don't know if I completely trust it yet, uh, and something that I do with my DDP for security is, I will, I will actually send two copies of a DDP. Um, mainly because I am so skittish about somebody poking around in it that I will send a file that says uh, DDP uh, for manufacturer mm. and DDP f- uh, like with player or something like that. Very smart. Actually, I actually have a note. Um, I have relatively generic emails that, I, that I'll send. Let's see. Where is it? Hello. That's my mastering pre-check one. I can always pull it up. Let me pull up this email because I think it's I think it's really important in the last five minutes. We're gonna be recording here. Um what was the band name? A little bit of dead air. It's never good for radio. <laughs> it's not radio though, it's a podcast. So here's what I have. Um, I'll like I'll I'll send this whole like package folder to a client, and I'll have uh, I got this idea from Sam the Masters for Digital Distribution folder, which if I'm doing ninety six twenty four I'll have that I'll have the forty four one twenty four, the forty four one sixteen any MP threes, and then with my DDP when it's in separate like zip folders I'll have a DDP for manufacturer and I say this folder can be sent straight to the CD pressing plant. Uh, who is manufacturing your CDs? Please do not poke around. Excuse me, I just burped. Please do not perk, perk. Please do not poke around in it, as all the information can be easily corrupted. A and then underlined a duplicate folder with a player has been provided, so you may listen to the DDP. Below it, it says DDP with player. This folder is a 100% duplicate of the DDP for manufacturer folder. However, it also includes a player, so you may review the DDP, the information embedded uh, in your CD, and burn CDs if necessary. So if something like drastically goes wrong, catastrophically goes wrong, which I have had one time that the CD manufacturer just took a dump on the whole project, and was not owning up to that. They pretty much destroyed this band's record. Um, and we eventually got them CDs, but it was after their release show, so they were up all night burning CDs. Hoffa has a uh, CD burner. Like Hoffa DDP player, maker, or whatever it is, the player that you send off, has a CD burner in it, which is nice. Um, yeah, and I say simply open, and I, I just have all the instructions for it. And you choose whether you're with a PC or a Mac. It's both compatible. It's super handy. So I'll send actually two zip folders, like one that is do not touch, and then one is, hey, this is player, this is uh, consumer or band friendly. Feel free to poke around and do whatever, but do not touch the manufacturer one. Um, I've had a lot of fun with that, and I highly recommend 
uh, checking that out. So, um, but I will probably, as far as making them, I'll probably stick with Triumph for now. So I kind of wanted to touch on, uh, let's call it the big two, and then uh, do you have anything you want to say about Triumph that you like about it, that you don't like about it? Um, did I mention Triumph came back online? I don't think I mentioned that. I don't that. think you mentioned it, but it is, yeah, it's back. Yeah, some company bought it, and the company has a real sketch name. So I was like, man, I'm totally going to get my computer AIDS. But <laughs> it worked, and my computer doesn't have an STD or anything, and we're Ooh. all good. So it's all, yeah, I'm very thankful. Yeah. So The only thing I'll say about Triumph is that I still feel like it's the most user-friendly, easy way to make what you actually need um, and the settings within it are super easy and you can make your own shortcuts in it, which I really like, which you could probably do mm-hmm. in other DAWs. But um, it's just so straightforward overall. I mean, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but it's still, I mean, I've used like almost every DAW now, mastering type DAW, and I, I continually come back to it as being the quickest, easiest way to sequence an album and get the metadata correct. And I personally, I mean, I don't know what happened when yours stopped working, but mine has always worked. And um, I just did a full transfer update to a brand new Mac Mini with all the new software in it. I opened it up today to work on a DDP, and it was opened right up fine. So it's running uh, as of today on the most updated Mac OS X that you can get. Um, it was air free, worked fine. So I'm just I'm I'm a big uh, fan of Triumph, and they've always been really responsive. If there's ever been a question, and it's affordable, and they are uh, seem to be investing back into it to keep it going. So mm-hmm. I highly recommend Master Engineers check it out. If you don't have um, a way to make a DDP, or if you don't like the one you have currently, check out Triumph. Um, we do not get paid to say that. We are not sponsored. We are not associated with them uh, outside of that. We like their product overall. So that's all I got to say on that. Yeah, good uh, good quick episode on Sweet. the fifth take of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, there's never really too much to talk about as far as DDP, ISRC, and metadata goes, but it is an episode... Uh, worth having, yep. Because nobody talks about it. No. Nope. So, and we just want to make sure that we can help you all out as much as you can to the best of our knowledge. So, yeah. Uh, anywho, I imagine the our very own lovely Sam Moses has a sweet beat queued up from the very his very own Beats.com. If you'd like to buy this beat or many others, go to Beats.com to buy Sam's beats. That's our only sponsor. <laughs> and for that sponsorship, we get free beats. <laughs> so true. Free quality beats at that. It's true. So um, if you would like to support the show, uh, as said in the beginning, we would love any uh, likes, comments, or uh, yeah, anything that you could, you could kind of leave a little trail that, hey, you were here. That'd be great. Actually, the thing that we would like more than that is share this show with, with a friend. Share this episode with a friend. Yeah. Uh, if you liked it, if you thought it was helpful, the, our growth has really been by word of mouth, and we could not be more thankful for that. So, uh, 
yeah, if you also like to support the show, we have a bunch of merch at theattackandreleaseshow.com. Um, and I think that's all I got. Is that all you got, bud? That's all I got. Cool, man. Well, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever y'all are having, have a darn good one. We will catch y'all on the next episode. Woo! Sam? Matt? Cue the music. Cueing. <laughs>